This is the Women Encouraged podcast, and I'm your host, Bethany Berendrecht. We are all about growing in Christ and being shaped by His Word, so it's a joy to welcome you here to these conversations about loving God, loving His Word, and growing in faithfulness to Him. Thanks for being here. Welcome back to Women Encouraged. I'm so glad you're here. This is the first of our devotional episodes that I'll be sharing on the podcast. It used to be at the end of every podcast episode, we'd have a devotional for you. So this new format won't be entirely different for a lot of our listeners. We are just changing things up a little bit. We'll still have a few interviews here and there as the Lord provides the time and the guests. And my purpose in these devotional episodes is just to take some of the encouragement and the truth that's been poured into my life through God's Word and through His people, you know, things that I'm learning to practice and work through and just share them with you. Today, my topic is God's comfort for us. In these devotional episodes, I want to focus specifically on what God intends to do with His comfort in our lives and I believe that what he says about the comfort he gives has a lot to say about the way we receive this comfort and what we do with it. I won't be able to address every aspect of this, of course, but over the next couple of episodes, I want to talk briefly about three features of comfort, how it works and the way it works in and for us. First, that God's comfort is real and sufficient in Christ. Second, his comfort is effectual. It does what he intends it to do. And third, his comfort enables us. I'm going to start off by reading these verses from 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 to 11. Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope that He will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. In this passage here in 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about the realities of the troubles and trials that he and Timothy and other saints had faced. He didn't gloss over them or make less of them. He wasn't shy about telling the Corinthian church how awful his experiences had been. He actually says here that they were burdened beyond their own strength and despairing of life itself, but he also recounts those trials in order to point out the sufficiency and efficacy of God's comfort. 
many of us would say we feel desperate for comfort from God and we know we need to receive it from his hand. But sometimes I think we can wonder in an unbelieving way whether God's comfort is actually sufficient. And when we do that, we will either invent our own method of comfort or turn to something that God doesn't intend for us to find ultimate satisfaction in. You know, and in the midst of our afflictions, instead of looking to Christ and going to his word and turning to the Lord in prayer, we might turn to the temporary satisfaction of food or the distraction of TV and social media, and even the solace of busyness, just just to take our minds off of things that we're going through. I have definitely been there. But something that I have learned is that God's comfort is not incidental. It's not a minor accessory to the work that God is doing in us during and through our suffering. It's there for us. It's real. And it's actually woven into his sovereign plan for us while we're suffering. Paul speaks in a way to convince us that comfort is an assured thing. He's quick to bless God as the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He is quick to point out that the extreme trials ultimately made him rely not on himself, but on the God who raises the dead. And this was the point. In other words, the God of all comfort, not just some comfort, is the same God who raises the dead. His power to bring resurrection in the midst of death or the threat of death is unlimited. He's not bound by our trials and his hand isn't shortened by any disaster we face. And we might read something like this passage in 2 Corinthians and think to ourselves, well, Paul was suffering for the sake of the gospel, and so that doesn't really apply to me because right now my type of affliction is physical or the type of suffering I'm experiencing is loss or mental or emotional pain or it's a limitation that's preventing me from doing what I really feel called to do. But Paul isn't limiting the comfort God gives to a certain type of affliction, he says that God comforts us in any and all of it. And this kind of helps us to think about how we shouldn't be comparing our suffering with others as as though we measure whether something is real suffering and affliction based on how bad somebody else has it or had it. Their kind of affliction may not be yours and vice versa. So don't minimize what's hard for them or for you and pretend it's not. That's not some kind of answer to suffering. As Christians, our answer in affliction and suffering is to look to Christ and to the real comfort he gives, which doesn't minimize what we're going through as though it was nothing. And there's a sense in which all of our suffering can be used for the sake of the gospel if we're giving glory to God and use this opportunity to point others to the sufficiency of Christ in our circumstances. All of our suffering can have a gospel witness, and so no affliction should ever be minimized as though it was without purpose in our lives or without the possibility of directing others to look to Christ for comfort. Recently, I had texted a dear friend to let her know an answer to prayer that I'd received. It was an answer that came a lot later than I had hoped for, but I wanted her to know I was still really thankful that the Lord had provided what I needed. And my friend told me, about a pastor that we know who had said something to the effect that, you know, we often want to think that God is the God of 1159, that he's going to deliver us at the last possible minute. He's the one who rescues us right in the nick of time, right before that bomb goes off in our lives. And that can be true. That often does happen. But this pastor had said that more often God is 
the God of 1201, meaning he actually allows that bomb to go off, but he has the power of resurrection. And that power of resurrection that only our God has is distinctly connected to this comfort that he gives us. In the midst of abundant suffering or affliction, we can know that not only does Christ share his comfort with us as we share his sufferings, like Paul talks about in this passage, but we serve the God who raises the dead. And this is the beautiful, sufficient comfort he has designed for us to press into. And this has been so often true in my life. I haven't always been rescued from suffering. It has happened at times, but more often I've been driven to rely harder on God and to find all comfort in Him. And as I record this, I'm actually approaching the two-year anniversary of a severe concussion that has changed my life. It's a reality that I live with, and it's something I can't wish away. At this point, I live with post-concussion syndrome, and most of the time I cope really well just with limitations, and a lot of people don't know any different. But I hit really difficult seasons from time to time, and I told my husband just recently that I was really struggling with why God lets me get this low sometimes and why He allows this much in my life, especially when what I want most is to serve Him in my home with my husband and kids and in my church and It seems like those would be perfectly good reasons for God to end my suffering. But every time I get to this low point, what happens is I depend more on Him. And so I believe what God is doing in my life is putting me in a heart posture where I have nowhere to look but to Him. And really, that's not a bad place to be, and I don't regret it or resent it. God's comfort is sufficient because His Word is sufficient because his promises are sufficient and because of the hope of the resurrection that he promises us in his word. For the Christian, death is never the end of our story, right? We are assured of resurrection in Christ, and we can also know that the things that die or leave us, whether they are possessions or reputation or something else, if we're in Christ and if we're offering our entire lives to him and seeking to be living sacrifices, then we can know for sure that these little deaths are not the end of the story either. We can lay those down and know that Jesus is making all things new and whatever he wishes to restore to us, he will do it. And it will be better than we could ever imagine. And it will be sweeter than if we had clung to it. Martin Luther said once, I have held many things in my hands and I have lost them all, but whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. And I believe this ties in so well with the comfort that God gives us in the hope of the resurrection and the knowledge that God knows our afflictions. He knows the things that we have lost. He is sovereign over these and he's sovereign over our limitations. And he is the God who raises the dead. So can we look to him in affliction, knowing that he's not only able and willing to take what we place in his hands, but he's also the God who resurrects. Practically speaking, as far as things to do while you are seeking the sufficiency of God's comfort, ask God to open your eyes to the security and comfort found in His Word. I have found so much comfort in praying the Psalms, especially when I haven't been able to form my own words. I found that filling my mind with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs has helped me to patiently wait for God. And being with God's people in church has also been a profound contribution to the comfort God has provided for me. 
I'll talk in the next devotional episode or episodes about the effectual nature of God's comfort for us and how it enables us. But until next time, friend, look to Christ, pray the Psalms, and remember that our God can raise the dead. He breathes life into dead bones, and He has already done a superior work in your life because when you were dead in trespasses and sins, He made you alive together with Christ. He hasn't abandoned you. He's given you His very self, His Spirit. He will be with you in all things, and if He can raise the dead, then He can certainly deal with whatever affliction or suffering you're facing, and that is an enormous comfort for me and for you. Friend, everything that I say here in this little episode is inadequate and insufficient, especially compared to the riches of comfort God has for you in His Word. But I am praying that this will point you to Christ, and I'm praying for you that you will open the Scriptures to know more deeply and more fully the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Thanks for being here.